On another side, we had Clue um, with Monday Night Mixtape. And on Monday Night Mixtape, Clue would drop, yo, if you couldn't get the, uh, the mixtapes, he had a whole show where he would drop Monday Night Mixtape. As a kid, I would call Clue up, tell him stuff like, yo, the streets need a Banks versus Joe Buttons mixtape. Lloyd Banks, another person, even to this day, got some of the dopest mixtapes. Get a chance to chance listen to any Banks mixtape. P.O.K., man. Banks, much salute, much respect. Banks, definitely check him out, man. Uh, 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 Joe Buttons mixtapes. Everybody you could think of from in, in the mid 2000s had a mixtape that was just crazy, and you would hear a lot of them was on the, on a Monday night mixtape. You know, K. Slay had a mixtapes. Um, he put out Papoose, one of the rawest mixtape people I, I've ever heard. Like even to this day, lyrical assassin Papoose. I don't know anybody that can fuck with Papoose on the mic when it comes to a lot of stuff. Papoose is that night nice, and we first heard him on the K. Slay mixtapes, right? Um, even Just Though Recipes had the mixtape awards, man, and he would give awards for these mixtapes. So that was such. If, if you go out into different areas, you had like Big Mike, right? DJ Big Mike had mixtapes. So this was the reason that the mixtape scene became so important. But if it was up of everybody who came out of this mixtape scene, right? We had lots of artists, right? We had Fab coming out of the mixtape scene. We had Pap coming out of the mixtape scene. Lloyd Banks coming out of the mixtape scene. But of all of these artists that came out of the mixtape scene, no artist changed the game like 50 Cent. Yo, 50 Cent came in through the late 90s. Trapped the gate he dissing everybody on, on how to rob an industry nigga. <laughs> Cat. And he's just going in. And you still ain't know who this dude was, but you knew he was no, not to be fucked with. That's how crazy 50 was when he hit the scene. 50 still ain't get a deal. He was independent, right? He had a, he had a deal. I remember because I had Power of the Dollar. I had Guess Who Bazaks, two of the dopest 50 set kind of unreleased albums, right? But he still wasn't like known, known amongst people. And what 50 did which really changed the dichotomy of how the, the mixtape scene worked was 50 Cent created a way to not have to deal directly with the mixtape format of you just being on a mixtape with a whole bunch of other rappers. What 50 did was say, not only am I going to do that, because 50 Cent in our Stadium Series Part 3, when it gave us Wangster, was the reason why we know Wangster, but 50 Cent dropped a mixtape at that time where it was just him. He was just the artist that said, I would make mixtapes with just me on it and my group. So you got G-Unit and you got Lloyd Banks and you got uh, Lloyd Banks, you got uh, 50 Cent, you got Tony Yayo, and they come out with G-Unit. G-Unit is just a different level group. Because they are so nasty when it comes to the bars. During this time, right, you had another group that was simultaneously coming out that I, as much respect you got to give to what Diplomats did and Dipset because they kept us. We are not only was having a battle time in the 2000s, we also was having a war of mixtapes. And Dipset kept this game mad excited because every mixtape that uh, Dipset put on, put out, whether it be a mixtape under, um, like, um... Uh, you know, with him and just uh, like Dane being on that mixtape or it'd be just any type of mixtape, you know, Dipset was dropping these mixtapes back to back and it was just the same. It was hitting us the same way, but nothing hit us like 50 Cent's mixtapes did. And when 50 Cent dropped, 50 Cent is the future, 
we got this different sound that we never heard on a mixtape scene. And not only did 50 Cent drop 50 Cent as the future, and it was such a dope mixtape, right? It's also 50 Cent was in the midst of his battle with Ja Rule. So we was we were already tensed up to hear what he was going to say on a mixtape and what he was going to also say on his dissing with, with Ja Rule. And during this time when 50 Cent's dropping these mixtapes, he's also already signed to... He got signed to Aftermath off of that, uh, off of, um, off of the Wasted Junk, and he, and Aftermath got him signed, and they make In the Club and all these songs, but 50 is still grimy, he's still on the streets, he's still grinding, he's still giving us mixtapes back to back to back. The streets is going crazy for 50. He's dissing Ja Rule every five seconds you get. He's other dissing other rappers, and Ja Rule, much respect to Ja. The industry, this, the, the rap scene during the Ja Rule time, was really I want to fall in love type music. And it was cool, right? We needed a different type of essence of music that it, we had to be able to relate with. And, you know, Ja Rule had a sound when it was with the Ashantis. This is early 2000s. You had the Ashantis coming out with Ja Rule, Little Mo. You had the Nellies coming out, you know, songs that were more for, you know, my lady in the car with me, she's singing a girl verse. I'm rapping the guy verse. I'm still like, like this whole, uh, like, you know, like that rapper, you know, you know, um, like thug passion type attitude, but I'm still the man, but I can be sensitive type shit. That's what it was getting with the Ja Rule sound. And when 50 came out, he just said, scratch all that. We're going back to the gutter. And that's why we really kids like mine growing up in the 2000s, that's why we really banged with 50 Cent because he was giving us that sound we was missing in the, in the music that DMX was like fading out and we was getting it back coming to revive from 50 Cent. After Ja Rule, they had that little early 2000s run with the lady songs, right? So during this whole time, 50 is just going in on Ja. He's not letting loose. And because of this, more people are really looking to 50 Cent as like the next person up. Because New York, we had our sound. You know, Jay been holding it down for a while. Nas been holding it down for a while. But the slow but surely, the South was creeping in. And the South was creeping in a different way that we ever seen before, but we was also getting this sound coming out of New York that we was hype about, right? We was getting this sound from 50 Cent that the whole United States was hearing, and we was getting this revival because how it was feeling the hip-hop at the time was the East Coast was falling off, and 50 Cent was giving us this breath of fresh air, and we loved it. Also, on the other hand, we had Dipset giving us his breath of fresh air, and we loved it, right? They gave us diplomatic immunity, and 50 Cent gave us Get Rich and Die Trying in the same year. So we were already just hype about the sound that New York was giving us. But the things that are happening on the East Coast that are getting, are getting to its peak, and slowly but surely are starting to go downhill. And as they start going downhill... We, as the North, we start having a lot of resentment to the South. And most of the reason we have a resentment to the South is because we feel like they're the reason that hip-hop is changing. We're not really getting down with the sounds they're coming out with. It's just kind of whack. And we're like, yo, we don't want to hear that. And we are going in. We're going in. We're going in. And the South is just like slowly but surely making their rounds and rounds to be played on our radio streams up here in New York. One of the biggest people to make this happen, hands down, got to be T.I. T.I. When T.I. came in the game, man, 
Grand Hustle Pimp. T.I. came in the game already with an album and tracks out. And when T.I. came in the game, he was still trying to get his rounds with his mixtapes. But he wasn't getting a lot of the sounds. He wasn't getting the recognition he deserved because he kept trying to push out his mixtape on his earliest stuff when he was still trying to, like, make himself known through Atlanta. And it's not wrong with it, but it was still not getting the, the streams it needed. So what T.I. decided to do was follow the route of 50 Cent. Watching 50 Cent do the mixtape scene, T.I. goes out and does this mixtape scene, and he drops all these mixtapes throughout Atlanta. And they're solid mixtapes. Through all these mixtapes he dropped, he's getting his buzz now. He doesn't have to go to the labels to get his name known. He can do the mixtape scene the way that the way that uh, 50 Cent did it. He can make himself known. Also, he's creating this new sound that we're getting out of the South, right? During the time of Outkast, they gave us one sound. But we needed a new sound that would take the real advantage of the 808 drums. Like... They already had the drum sound different on a funk over in the West Coast, you know. So the South wanted a, tip of, a similar drum sound. And they go after this drum sound where they create trap music. And the person who created this aspect of trap music was T.I. His first album was called Trap Music. So, And it was the concept of sit, the music you would have and listen to in the trap. The song that T.I. put out that really changed the game, that got everybody listening to it from everywhere, was when he dropped 24s. And 24s, man, you play that song today, you'll hear it. You'll hear the trap sounds in it, 808 drums in it, and it's such a smooth melody. It's just a dope song, you know. I'm actually thinking it in my head right now. I'm about to play that just now. It's like, that's how dope tra uh, 24s was. And as T.I.'s putting out 24s, he's getting a different side, he's getting a different vibe, and people are more catching on to him. Up in um up in the north, in the west coast, in the Midwest. Gotta think, the South always have resentment for everybody because of '95 when they got when everybody booed them over at the social wars. So you ain't think the South was gonna remember that? And the South came back with a vengeance. And when they came back, they wasn't gonna let loose. Like they wasn't gonna let go. And the person who really brought the South to the pivotal and back onto the scene and pulled it away from New York the way he did. And changed the game for Atlanta, for the most part, was T.I. Now, there's another artist, and I know a lot of people probably listen to this mixtape like, nah, I wouldn't say T.I. was the one who put the South on. Definitely, definitely, I'm not saying T.I. was the one who put the South on. What I'm saying is T.I., I believe T.I. was the person who pulled that last rain away from New York and allowed it to go through the South heavy at that time. And T.I. was the start of that. But another artist was hearing something in the background and saying, hey, yo, this mixtape thing is something I could really bang with. And this artist was an artist that we all know, the other Mr. Carter himself, your boy Wheezy, right? Your boy Little Wayne. Little Wayne was very interesting dude. Came out with Hot Boys. You heard Lil Wayne as a young kid on Back to the Up, right? He came out with Juvie and the Hot Boys. They even had a movies and stuff, right? Then he puts out Carter 1, good album. Carter 2, good album. 
And what Wayne does that's really interesting is Wayne sees what's going on, what T.I. is doing, what 50's doing. And he's like, yo, I got bars, man. I could spit too. And Wayne comes out with drama. Now, mind you, I didn't really go into detail how important drama is. So let me just explain who drama is so most people don't know. Drama was a, a very equivalent to what Clue did for the New York Sound when it came to the mixtapes in the late 90s. Flex did to the New York Sound. A C did to the New York Sound. A Ron G. Drama was all of that in Wrapped in One. Drama's a kid that comes from Philly. He comes out to Atlanta. Goes to Clark Atlanta. And while he's on Atlanta, he's doing mixtapes. He's making beats. to DJ. He knows how to produce. He's making all types of tracks. He puts out lots of mixtapes with DJ Cannon. You know, all the Gangsta Grills mixtapes, you know. Um, he puts out Trap or Die. One of the dopest uh, GZ mixtapes, right? Um, but when he teams up with Lil Wayne, they create these dedication mixtapes that are just solid. And you can hear Little Wayne don't have to worry about the labels, say what I could put out, what I can't put out. He can just go straight, straight to the gutter, straight to the gut and give you bars. And Little Wayne got a song when I jump where he's just like saying the cannon and all this stuff. And Little Wayne is giving us all these bars. So you listen to any of those dedication mixtapes and you see how dope Little Wayne was when it comes to that spitting and that those bars. And he was having this way that Little Wayne showing like, yo, the South. We can rap just like y'all niggas in New York. The crazy thing about what Lil Wayne did was Lil Wayne also during the same time started moving with different groups. And he was following sort of that Jay-Z pattern where you would see a group you would bang with. And also you would, so you would go to that, that group. So Lil Wayne might be in Atlanta rapping with Atlanta rappers. Then he'll go up to Harlem rapping with Dipset because they hot at this time. He dropping all these I Can't Feel My Face uh, mixtapes with um with Santana. Lil Wayne's over in the West Coast. He's blooded out. He's in Houston. He's on everybody that's hot popping up at this time. He's getting on their tracks, right? And as Lil Wayne's going from Miami to Houston to uh to to Heels, I've been even to Canada and with Drake and all that stuff. And even going over to uh to New York and all that stuff. He is changing. And as as Lil Wayne is going through these areas, he's adapting to their style and making a style get more on the scene because Lil Wayne was already a popular rapper because he already dropped two albums prior to that. And now he goes back to the mixtape scene. No rapper did that prior to that. He goes back to the mixtape scene already hot and everybody starts dropping on uh jumping on Lil Wayne. Throughout all of this, the South is making tons and tons of moves, right? Things start getting crazy in the South, right? You, you started with Outkast, and then from Outkast, we got, like, Little John and the Crunk Sound. It was like, we don't want no drama type stuff, you know? Yeah, all the stuff that Little John was putting out, and we loved that. It was like the trap and the Crunk Sound, right? You get the past the Troys, you know? You get uh, uh who, you get more of the trap sounds coming. You get the newer uh, music coming from the trap with the Futures and the Gucci's. You get the Virginias with the Clips. They doing their things out there. Even down in the Alabamas with the Rich Hobie Kwani. We dropping like throw some D's on it. You get tons and tons of artists, man. Ludacris comes down from a uh, 
from Chicago as the DJ out there, Luda something, and he goes back to to Atlanta, and he's doing his thing out there, Ludacris' first couple albums was solid, you get Trinidad James, I don't really couldn't get banging with that nigga song, but hey, a lot of people liked it, Young Buck is signed to 50 Cent and the rest of them, um, you get lots of different groups that are changing the game, man. Even even you get moving to the Miami sound starts changing a little bit when you get the Trick Daddies and the Rick Rosses coming out of theirs and the plazas, man. So a lot of different music is coming out of these different areas. And that's even as we get farther into the future, we get more of the artists that come out, like the the, the babies and the little babies and the gunners and the you know the Kodak Blacks and the you know, even like Saha the Prince, like lots of different sounds are coming out of the New Orleans music and this new, not New Orleans, the South, and the South is really starting to make themselves known, and they're actually starting to take over when it comes to the music scene and the overall uh, genre of music as a whole for hip hop. Through all of this, Lil Wayne is taking the the lead for the person that will be in the forefront of how the South would basically push its way to the forefront of hip hop. He was taking the forefront of hip-hop on that side, and then this whole weirdness of hip-hop changes, because you got Lil Wayne taking the forefront on everybody's mixtape, on everybody's album, on everybody's everything, right? And um, you also got this funny voice music coming out, too, and this person that's leading the charge on that, on, one, on the other side, is T-Pain. Now... When you get this time in the 2000s, you get to this really weird time of music where everybody is using auto-tune. It's like the craziest thing ever. We get all this auto-tune that's coming out, and when all this auto-tune starts coming out, people are really not really feeling it like the way they expected people to feel because it's a new way that we would listen to music. So when you get this auto-tune, you get T-Pain having this whole big run. And the funny thing is, I was living in Tallahassee when this run was happening, and you get this crazy T-Pain sound of music, and he's rapping, it's sounding the same, it's going crazy. And also, at the same time, that music is, like, weird sounding, and people are loving it, and they're still using it to this day. So it's, like, crazy, like, it's still, it's, like, evolved hip-hop. At first, nobody liked it, and now it evolves to something different, and that is what you gotta love about hip-hop is the evolution of that. Sort of like how hip-hop morphed into some different sounds and you hear similar hip-hop beats and EDM and things like that with Skrillex and people like that. It's the same way you got hip-hop merging into the auto-tune scene. It's auto-tune scene. You know, one of the biggest things and one of the craziest things on this auto-tune scene is we also got this dancing scene, which was kind of kind of different. And I really didn't get down with it as much, but the dancing scene was like all these new one-hit wonders we would go to. People was doing a laughing taffy, you know. Shorty Lowe was making songs like, they ain't no recipe, Shorty Lowe. But you got to remember, this is that mid-2000s, man. I tell you, this is the time when hip-hop took a weird turn, right? Um, You got, like, the white T-boys doing the 
that you can't do it like me with the snapping stuff and all types of crazy stuff, man. You got to walk it out and all types of weird stuff. And then we get all these different types of artists coming out with the Jay Quans and the Young Birds and the and the, and the um Young Jocks and all these people. Um, but then you get a weird uh essence of how hip hop can really change into the different groups, right? You see hip hop merging in with reggae and Latino music, so you get the reggae tones and all types of stuff like that. And then you also get like even how we merge it now into like the Afrobeat sound. So you get this merger of like hip hop merging into other genres, really merged into it because now hip hop is not only and around the United States being embraced by everybody, now it's hitting the Caribbean islands and people really embracing it down in the Caribbean throughout all of the Latino uh, Caribbean islands and all of the uh, the Caribbean islands that have Jamaicans and Haitians and things. So you get this real big sound of hip hop being affluent in all these different areas with different music. You know, a lot of this stuff is happening Things are just changing. Um, strippers and nothing came like the A and R's on the song. Because if you want to put a track out, you had to go to the strip club, right? You get the Juicy J, you know, from uh from Three Six Mafia, putting out only stripper club music, man. Yeah, you had uh Waka Flocka Flame, man. Another artist that came out solid in the in the from the South. Um, when he came out with uh with uh with his group with with, with Gucci Man and, and all of them and um. You know, you get this this real different sound coming out of it, right? Um, and it becomes like a different element, but it merges into different ways, man. Sex gets exploited very much so um, at this time, a lot more, right? It started with Little Kim showing sex and exploiting sex so people it could sell records, and then we get into this new merge of like the concepts of like what Little Kim did in the Two Live Crews. But more into the concepts of like, if a man could talk this way, like a too short could talk this way about women, then why can't women talk this way about men? And you get this merger into different women changing how they they perceive men. So you get a lot of artists that even when you go up to this day, you see the artists that are very influenced by that sound with the Sweeties and the and the and the and the Megan Thee Stallions and the um um and you get the uh, the City Girls, but you get a real Early is signs of that is when you get the, um, you get the the, the the emergence of like the um the Nicki Minaj's and stuff, you know, all using the same concepts of what Kim gave us, and they coming out and giving us a different sound. And then as you go farther into it, you get um the video vixens becoming more of a thing. Remember Superhead? Everybody was talking about Superhead, the Buffy, the bodies, and things like this. This is all happening at the same time. So as we go farther. And to this essence, we have to just keep in mind that all these things are occurring simultaneously really quick, and we're really starting to see a sound. And the sound is changing a lot. But one of the biggest things about the sound the sound changing is that now we get an influence of another area, and this area is starting to emerge. You know, all these areas were happening simultaneously. The East got really hot. We fizzled kind of out. 50 kept us on for a little bit. Then we fizzled out. We tried to get back on the scene. With I think even rappers started trying to sound like the South. We was putting out mixtapes though. We never stopped the mixtape scene, man. Papooses and and the Lloyd Bankses they kept us alive, you know, for people like me as the purest of the hip hop. But you know, um, for that mainstream music, we wasn't getting really no play. You know, Lean Back came out, <laughs> you know, in two thousand and four, and Fifty helped us out a lot of those years. 
with music keeping our our no our, our voice known. But one of the biggest things that happened, man, is the South came out with a vengeance and they wasn't letting nobody back in the game. And that didn't change. And so the West Coast was like, all right, Joe, we got to do something because the South is coming out too crazy. And the emergence of the new West Coast was what really changed the game, man. And so when you get this emergence of the new West Coast, it's like you get this style and this this. This, this, this different type of sound, and that comes from like the, the games, and the game comes out under the, the essence of, um, uh, Dre to bring a new life to this, to the West Coast, because the West Coast was real quiet for a long time, and when game comes out, man, game changes the game, yo, games had a song called 100 Bars, that's how I'm gonna tell you how game can rhyme. Game was just dropping tracks after tracks. He was coming out with dope albums, even his other uh, documentary and all these different things. Game, Game was real crazy, man. Game had wouldn't uh, wouldn't go far just dissing video mixes. Like he was a different type of rapper, and he was giving a light to the sound of the West Coast. Which as time went on, we started getting other artists that would feed it off of that sound and letting their voice be known. So you get the J Rocks coming out. J-Rock already was solid, and he comes out, and he's dropping crazy tracks, and you know, from the J-Rocks, you get the whole TDE side with the Kendricks, the Schoolboy Qs, and the Absols, you get more from the Conscious side with the Fashions, you get more back to the, the Gangsta side with the YGs and stuff, even Ty Dolla side, you know, you get a solid different sound of artists that are ended up coming out of the West Coast, um, Vince Staples, another artist you definitely check out, got bars for days, man, um, Corday, man, Corday. They just dropped the album with Solid. So a lot of these artists are coming out and um, changing the way that we listen to the West Coast music. From Roddy Rich all the way to like Blueface. These artists are really doing anything on the West Coast. Um, some of my favorite from those West Coast artists definitely got to be like the Dom Kennedys. Because Dom got, man, Dom Kennedy one of the best rappers coming out the West Coast in my opinion. He gonna get a lot of respect, you know, but Dom Kennedy and Hit Boy, one of the best producers coming out of the West Coast. So you get this different sound coming out of the West Coast, and the West Coast is really starting to put its foot in the game on different levels. Um, throughout the West Coast, we, we get all these different sounds coming up from different areas, all through the LA South to the Oakland South, to different areas that are coming out, you know, even early with the West Coast, with the Oakland sound, you get the hyphy movement when everybody was ghost riding the whip and all this stuff and make them go dumb, dumb, all this stuff. Like, it was like a different sound, but we was loving it during this time in the 2000s because everything was just different, reviving of what we wanted music to sound like, right? Um, but of all the areas, I would say, really got their name, name known. And even up to now, they don't get enough respect and talked about is... More than everything, the Midwest. Now, the Midwest always was like the area that not a lot of people gave a lot of like love to because you know coming out with Bone Thugs, they were doing their thing, but for years we couldn't we couldn't really put our foot on the on the on the Midwest. Like we couldn't like have an artist that would be like, "Yo, the Midwest is this." Like we had who we had like Bone Thugs and Harmony. Then we got like Little Bow Wow, right? It was like artists like that, right? Um, and no, no disrespect to either one. There was a solid people that gave us a solid sound from the Midwest. But, um, if it, like, the sound of the Midwest really started to change 
with the essence of who Kanye West was. So you get two artists that really put a voice for the Midwest. You get one artist on one side from Detroit, and you get another artist on the other side from Chicago. The Detroit artist that changed the game was Eminem. Eminem coming out the late 90s, he walks through the door, Eminem opens the door for the emergence of white people in rap. The funny thing about Eminem is the first time I heard Eminem, a brother came to me. He was down south for a little bit, and he was like, yo, listen to this. He gives me this CD, and I'm a hip-hop head. I'm young at the time, probably like, I don't know, 12, whatever. And I put the CD in, and he song. Hi, my name is, it's whatever, right? And I'm like, yo, this is funny as hell. It's cool. And I listened to him, this song is dope, yo. I was like, I was like yo, this, who this? I've never heard him before. He's like, let's do Eminem. I was like, okay, this is kind of high. He's like, yo, he white. I was like, this thing is not white, bro. He was like, yo, he's white, son. I put this on everything. I did not know Eminem was a white boy. And his bars and his flow in that song was just different and dope at the same time. Like, it was just a different sound. And he was telling his story from how he perceived his life, right? He grew up on in a trailer park, so he's telling the story from the trailer park view of how life is in that trailer park, right? Um, and I like, and I love, I loved it. It wasn't, it wasn't my cup of tea, but it was what he was doing. And from that emergence of him making this music, it kind of morphed into like white boys being able to come into hip hop. And it was weird because. They all talked about this weird concept of how their worlds were. Like, they all were, like, on drugs or they were in trailer parks. It was kind of weird, but and they wanted to kill people. It was all kind of crazy stuff. But the w- difference was Eminem's style was more from, like, could rhyme, too. And he could battle. I seen him on a battle. He fucking bodied uh, cannabis. Who I never thought anybody could body him because he was so nice with the lyrics, right? Um, but I would see Eminem... And he would rap and battle people coming from, like, the hip-hop shop out in Detroit with Proof. And it's funny, when you listen to Eminem, during this time, you just start looking at, like, how Eminem changed the game. And one of the songs he changed the most with was Stan. Like, Stan, he's just, like, explaining a story with the dildo, Dido, or whatever the lady name that's on that song. And, and as he's telling the story... At the end, he writes the letters, and it's him writing a letter back to the person that tried to that killed himself. Like it's crazy, the fan that killed himself is crazy, right? But he was, it was like his storytelling skills was there, lyric skills was there. Eminem had a, the whole package. The only thing that most people really wasn't begging with was that he was white. But Eminem was nasty on the mic, so you had to give it up to him. But he also opened the door for the Yellow Wolves, right? For the for the uh, the MTKs and the Macklemores. And the um and the yellow wolves, right? He opened the door for these people, like the logics and the little dickies and that and even like Jack Harlow, right? This was the door that was open from an Eminem. And I even like one of my favorite of all of the like with the white boy type rappers is like Russ. And I don't wanna add like the aspect of like them being white and stuff, but it was like it was very hard for you to be a, a white person to get into the hip hop game, right? We only prior to Eminem, we only had like really Solid ones was like the Beastie Boys held their own, and then we had like Vanilla Ice, which gave them a bad look. Um, and then you had like uh somebody like um like Bubba Sparks at the time. They was trying to get the South with on with the music, but like Eminem 
was like the one that was like, this is the white boy that can rhyme and be nasty on the mic, and nobody cares what color he is because he's nasty on the mic, and he's actually living the same life we live in, just in a different type of area, right? So that's why you got to give much respect to Eminem, because Eminem is really nice on the mic, man. He's nasty with it, and he's one of the best rappers of all time. So you get all of these different things, right? Eminem creates this sound coming out of, Detro uh, out of Detroit, but then on the other hand, you get Kanye West. Now, the thing that's dope about Kanye, if you get a chance, check out his documentary. Kanye was a different artist. First time I seen Kanye, I was watching the Can't Stop, Won't Stop video. Um, and he was in the scene doing some type of stuff. And I was like, yo, who's this dude? And my friend was like, yo, uh, I think his name is Kanye. He make all the beats for them. I was like, yo, this thing's always in their music videos. I didn't know who he was, though. I just didn't know because I didn't... I knew music at the time, right? Nowadays, you know the producer that's on the track because they say their name. But at that time, it was more like the ghost production. Like how we have the ghost writers and people that write for the rappers. Your favorite rapper got their verse written by somebody like, let's say, like Ryan Fest or like the, like the people like, um, like we all know, like Quentin, because he, they always talk about how he wrote Drake's lyrics and stuff. You know, like this is the, like the ghost writers, right? The ghost producers have they, they same, they same thing too, right? They have people like, uh, he's, like, uh, Kanye started out one of those. They make the beat. Nobody know they did the beat. And, you know, that's where they come from. So at that time in the 2000s, we really didn't know who made the beats. Um, and as you go farther, you see this young kid, Kanye, coming out and he's putting out songs. And I remember, like, this is me following Kanye of what I know of Kanye, not from the documentary. Not from the documentary that I saw, and I was like, yo, Kanye had a really dope life, and he was really an ambitious person that followed his dreams to get where he's at. You gotta give him everything, all his flowers, man. This is more from the side of me looking at Kanye for what I've noticed, and I did not know who Kanye was until I watched it through the Wire video, and I heard Kanye rap. It was weird because, looking back to it, I probably did hear Kanye rap, but I did not know it was Kanye because when you used to hear the more conscious backpack, if you want to say type raps with the most depths and the, and the Roots style or the Talib Kweli's and the Commons and the Consequences, you know, he probably was on one of those songs, right? I look back to those songs now and be like, yo, Kanye definitely was on it, but you never, you were, he was always overshadowed by like the, the most depth type rappers because you knew their names more. You probably wouldn't catch a Kanye on the track. But when he dropped through the wire on his own thing, it opened my eyes to see, oh, this rapper is actually really nice. And as I got farther into his artistry, as an artist, I found out he was a producer and made all these dope beats, right? From The Truth by Beanie Siegel to, like, um, uh, things that never change uh, uh, to, like, the whole blueprint, like, crazy stuff like that. I'm like, yo, Kanye really put his work in, um, and that was one of the biggest things I noticed about Kanye, I was like, this artist, this dude is just like a genius, like a master, this dude is crazy, and like one of the wildest things about Kanye that I, I, I noticed, like I watched this whole documentary on him called De Kanye Deconstructed, and it explained um, how he uses the human voice as like an instrument, like when you listen to a Kanye West song, he's always using a voice in it, like in Jesus Walks, he's like, boom, 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 Jesus walks. He's like saying the stuff in that song. Every single song you'll hear now from Kanye, you'll start noticing how he uses the voice as his own instrument. 
Go watch that box documentary. It's going to really blow your mind about how Kanye West is that dope of a mastermind when it comes to this music stuff, right? And um, and it's so crazy. So, like, you've seen this thing happen from Kanye. Um, right after his mom died, he, he drops another album called um, 808 to Heartbreaks. It's probably, like, I have, like, my top favorite albums of all time. And um, I don't know where it ranks, but it's definitely in the top ten. Um, but it's 808 to Heartbreaks. People, people was like, yo, 808 to Heartbreaks? That ain't even a hip-hop album. Like, yo, that's the thing that makes this dude such a genius is that he learned how to make such a complete album. You put on 808 to Heartbreaks, you can't play. You play track one, you go to track, I think it's 13, you don't skip. It's that real of an album. Like, you take your time to sit down and dissect and listen to it. I had a friend when that album first came out told me, like, yo, Jay, you heard that 808s? And that's how I was. I was like, I ain't listen to that singing shit. Like, that's all that. I can sing it on auto-tune. And then I heard it, and I could not turn it off. It's that good of an album, man. It is a solid album. You get a chance. If you haven't heard 808s and Heartbreaks, really listen to that album. Um, so through all of this, yo, Kanye is just changing the game through the fashion stuff, he's changing the game through the music scene, he's changing the game, he even tries to run for president, you know, later on, um, he opens a church, he's just different, he's changing the concepts of what we see as a, what a rapper could be, and through him coming through Rockefeller Records, he's changing all his aspects, but he's also giving emergence to the new sound of the Midwest. Eminem started it coming from the late to the late nineties, prior to Eminem, the old, most you got out of the Midwest were like the Bone Thugs and Harmonies, were like the Commons, were like the say Little Bowers or whatever, right? They were the artists that we were getting. But when you got Eminem give the sound to the Midwest, you got this influence of rappers like yo, the Midwest is doing a thing out there. And then you get Kanye West that just really gives a sound to Chicago as a hip-hop uh, city. And you get this really crazy sound of the whole Midwest. And through that, you get this emergence of all these other rappers that come out after that, right? You get Kanye putting out Lupe Fiasco. Then you get the Obi Trices coming out of the Detroit sounds and the Royce the Five Nines. You even get like the Big Shores coming out of the Detroit sounds and the Danny Browns and the 42 Doug. And, you know, you get all these people coming out of that Detroit sound, even Dizzy Wright, right? You get this whole crazy different type of music coming out of the Detroit sound. You get other areas that are starting to make their, 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 their names known and they are doing their thing in this whole Midwest area, right? You get the whole uh, Pushaisties and the whole like G Herbos and the Vic Mensas and all these different types of rappers, the Isaiah Rashads, like all these rappers that are coming out of the Midwest that we're not giving enough props to that we have to really sit back and be like, yo, this is the Midwest. And the Midwest is going to let itself know. And it's so many times when I think about the Midwest and I'm like, yo, um, who uh, who is the artist that really gave us a different understanding about how hip hop could be? And I would always say it's like the Midwest, you know, the Midwest is really the best place that you would say gave us a sound of music that you could say like we're very influenced heavily on that house sound and the sound of just a different type of vibe coming out of different areas. 
And um, that's one thing you got to give to the Midwest. They really change the game when it comes to a lot of things. So much respect to the Midwest. Much respect to the different sounds that are coming out of the Midwest, man. They always have done their thing. Um, as times went on, lots of different things changed. But one of the craziest things that changed more than anything was, like, hip-hop really, really becoming mainstream. Um, mainstream hip-hop to me was, like, yo, uh, it was, like, a part of hip-hop I really don't like getting as much into is because it was, like, the time in hip hop where we would we would just be like, yo, and knew it had to go here, but we didn't want it to go here, but we had to go here. Um, because we would never get big if we didn't go to mainstream, super mainstream, right? We was starting to be hip hop songs on kid bops and kids rapping hip hop, right? It was getting really corny. Rappers started making lots of commercials. I like used to see like a rapper like push a T on like a Wendy's commercial. It was like a big thing. Rappers made it to the Super Bowl. Solid stuff happened with the commercialization of hip-hop. You know, you got to give a lot of things uh, for that reason. Um, but I, I really did not get down with a lot of the mainstream aspects of it, you know. Um, you know, basically buy a beat and say nothing. That's all you would And that people were just doing it. So hip-hop, were like, it was like, I don't really care as much for about the music. I just care about making money. And as that happens, the changing of the guards start really changing to hearing more of these rappers that are like, uh, doing things that are less not considered hip-hop per se, but just things to get money. And it's nothing wrong with it. It's still in some outright still a kind of hip-hop, but it isn't meant for us as that hip-hop that we grew up with. So when you get the Flow Riders and the B.O.B.s and like even like the Fetty Wops, like it's it's not meant for us as rappers, even though they're dope songs. Like Trap, Trap Queen is a dope song, but it's like really not met for our aspects of what hip-hop was gonna be uh when it came to certain areas because this was more meant for like the bar mitzvah movies mute the the like the bar mitzvahs and stuff like that and you would see like you know puffy kind of did it in the same thing when he did it in the late 90s in the shiny soup movement so a lot of these things are happening um in the mainstream aspects of it uh but one of the things that was really dope out of this mainstream is we got the fashion the fashion changed the game right much respect to Dipset for giving us fashion. People be like, yo, nah, hip-hop always had fashion. They did. Hip-hop always had fashion. Facts is dapper damn. They was giving us fashion. But Dipset really was the group that, like, kind of gave us where we at now, right? Everybody rocking fitted clothes. Everybody wearing, like, you know, trying to rock, like, name brand, crazy Balenciaga this, that, black. you know what I mean? Like, that was, like, everybody pause, no homo. That, that's all... Dipset, right? That's Dipset to this day. Dipset had the whole uh, tight rock star. Everybody was rock stars with the Dipset, with the skulls. Um, Wayne came up to Dipset. As Wayne came up to, to, to Harlem and was uh, was chilling with Dipset and stuff, you know, he started going on to the style of how Cam and, like, Jewels and the rest of them was, was rocking out in Harlem, right? So out here, we was we was wearing a certain style, and Wayne fed on to that style. He took that style, and as Wayne was... Migrating his wealth way through the United States, that style was following, and people were jumping onto that style until we get to the more fitted look, which I would say, like fashion wise, a merger of Wayne, merger of people like, uh, like, um, uh, like Kanye changed it to what we are now. Prior to that, fashion was just hip hop purest type of fashion, and I loved it, right? We had everybody rocking, trying to get Jacob the jeweler. 
everybody having a jersey on. Fab definitely was one of the top king killers with them jerseys. Right back in the day, we all wanted the jerseys. We had the ringtone raps and stuff. People were trying to make raps and ringtones and stuff. Um, it was it was weird, but it was like the portrayal of everything in hip hop during the nineties of being like the vision of jail, right? Everything in the hip hop to me is like the fashion portrayed in the nineties. The the late nineties was like personification of like jail or sagging and things like that. Um, but as you get into the the two thousands, it's like a portrayal of like more of like uh like more of like this whole centric style that is based around like brand names and like really fashionable like aspects to it that's why you hear everybody talking about Virgil this and getting the, this type of bag and this type of thing like this was the aspect of how fashion was changing the view of what hip-hop would be in the 2000s you know and then like rappers everything about rappers was swag now right you had rappers that were coming out with different styles like from the ASAP mobs and the Kid Cuddies right and um even like the Young Thugs and the Travis Scott's it was like a different style. Like even Cam had everybody rocking pink. It was just different. We went from rocking Tims and jeans to wearing pink to rocking Balenciaga bags. Like it was just a different vibe, different style. It was just a whole different sound that we got from the two thousands, like throughout the two thousands, and even up to this way. Um, lots of things were just drastically happening and drastically changing. Another thing that was crazy happening at this time was, like, the aspect of, like, the merger of love and hip-hop merging onto, like, singing. Like, everything was, like, love and I'm in love, right? You know, Ja Rule started it, and then, like, it, it ended with, like, this whole concept of, like, R&B singers trying to be rappers. Like, we already started with, like, the New Jack Swing when, a, when a, uh, the R&B singers trying to be rappers, and then it just changed around because the rappers trying to be RSV singers with auto-tune, and then now the R&B singers trying to be rappers again, but like Chris Brown be rapping on people's songs, like it'd be so many different styles, like you can't even keep up with it, but that was like the aspect of like how hip-hop was merging more into, for the women and for the ladies, and a lot of this stuff was happening, for the most part, was like the sound that T-Pain gave us with that auto-tune, and then it kind of like got to its peak, opening a new door with like Drake, and Drake really changed the game um because drake was like coming from when you think about ll cool j with i need love up to where drake is it's like the concept like yo drake really changed the dichotomy of how hip-hop really hit a new lane of showing that emotion and showing that love on tracks and drake can rap but drake also has a side it's like i always say that the drake analogy is like Going into a vegan restaurant and wanting to get some some um some steak or something. It actually might be a really good vegan restaurant. And they may say we just gonna make a part of the menu for people who aren't vegan to eat. But the menu wasn't meant for you. <laughs> the menu was meant for the people that's coming in and get the vegan stuff. So when Drake makes music, it's not really meant for people like me that's the OD hip hop head. To listen to, it's really meant for people, that, women to listen to. He makes music for the girl, for the ladies. Um, and then he gives it once in a while, gives you a track where he spazzes out. Now the crazy thing about Drake is Drake can rap. He got bars. Some of the Drake songs I like, you know, uh, uh, zero to a hundred and like, you know, um, energy and like, he got tons of songs that are really dope. Like, 
But I understand Drake's music isn't meant for me to be sitting there and like vibing to, right? But I can't lie. Drake, when he rhymes, can go in. He can he can body tracks. And that's one thing you got to say about Drake. Drake can do those things. And one thing you got to say about Wayne for going out there and finding somebody like Drake and creating a new sound of artists coming out of that Young Money sound in the 2000s with the Nicki Minaj's, the Drake's, and the, and the Little Wayne's, you get this emerging that Wayne never stopped. Throughout all of this, with the emergence of the Midwest and the emergence of like the, the West Coast, Wayne was still there. And for years, 2007, 2008, Wayne held it on lock. Now... There's other coasts that were doing their thing, like not coasts per se, but other areas in the Northeast that were giving us artists, right? We had the Wiz Khalifas coming out from certain areas. We had the Memphis sound that was just different, even to this day, much respect to the Memphis sound. We get like the Pooh Shiesties and the T Grizzlies and Rest in Peace Young Dolph, you know, the Moneybag Yo's and the Yo Goddess. We get these people coming out of that Memphis sound that we just, they're just giving us a different type of music that we haven't heard yet, and we love it because it's that. Also, you get another area like North Carolina putting out artists, man. Much respect to Knife Wonder and the whole Little Brother movement um, with Fonte and little uh, Fonte and uh, Mr. Fab and people like that. And then you get the whole Dreamville sound. And much respect to J. Cole because J. Cole is one of my top five. I never take an artist in the 90s. I had to throw a new artist in it. It was the J. Coles. And J. Cole was that sound we needed to come out of that South, coming up to New York and battling his way through New York, getting side to the rock, coming back to the South and giving you this whole aspect of somebody that can rhyme. He just, it reminds me so much of like, if I was a rapper, I would want to be J. Cole. Like, that's how dope J. Cole is. J. Cole, when he has a song, I let Nas down. He says that line like, the Nas line from um, the I Am album, right? And it's like he goes in and he has these mixtapes, the Friday Night uh, uh, Lights mixed in the Truly Yours mixtapes and all these different mixtapes that he puts out. And it's like, yo, want to hear a great storyteller? Listen to some Cole. Like, Cole is nasty when it comes to the vibes. So much respect, much love to J. Cole. Definitely respect everything that he has done for us and put us into, like, the way we are. Um, through all of this, man, we get this whole different types of sounds, different music. The labels become more like trying to do their best. Then the major labels actually end up coming more like minor labels. In the indies, we get the lots of times when majors trying to get people 360 contracts to get them in, but that's not working. The eight people will more say after labels, I'm gonna do much independent. Much respect to Chance the Rapper for doing that. Like you see this whole aspect of like the major labels doing all these things and trying to get people back on a on a on a scene but it's not working um so you get all this crazy stuff happening with the majors and the minors um the label owners not giving people their masters at this time right get people like freaking laura hill that can't even rap an album because she can't <laughs> the neighbors won't even give her, her her masters back you know um all these crazy things happen, but one of the biggest things that I love doing this stuff is, like, the producers start becoming the rappers, right? And that is so funny because, like, you always got to think about the producer as the DJ, right? The DJ comes through the game, and then the DJ basically really doesn't have a, 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 a anywhere to be in hip-hop once there's no more turntables. So what do the DJs do? Like, the DJs turn to being, like, producers, Right. And they end up being producers 
for the most part because they don't have any turntables. So they end up producing these songs through these different instruments, right? Dre is nasty on the turntables. You see of him a lot of times not on the turntables. He's producing beats, making the tracks better, you know. Um, you see other people like DJ Khaled, another one. Khaled is a nasty on the turntables. Khaled started out DJing with Terror Squad back in the day. So he's been around for a while. You know, much salute to Fat Joe. Khaled does his thing in it, but that was the same concept that you have to understand because most of the DJs weren't getting the the, the things they, des, they they the light they deserve, so they had to become producers. So you get the lots of the DJs that are producers, like the DJ Mustards and the Mike Will Made It. You know, you get the DJs producers like Hit Boys. They are nasty as a DJ, but they couldn't. There's no more turntable, so they have to find another way another way to go. Um, a lot of these things are so things are happening so fast, right? Lots of TV shows are now showing us, man. Flavor Flav was trying to find his girlfriend for a time out in the 2000s, man. Um, all VH1, BET, MTV was just pandering for us. It was kind of whack. Everybody was trying to find relationships. Um, much respect to Mona Scott. Putting out love of hip-hop from, like, the rappers actually elevated to a place that we never could see them go, man. From, like, the Will Smiths and the Jada Pinkets, they start out as rappers. They also ended up merging to being, like, crazy successful people in film and acting from, to, like, Childish Gambino or Danny Glover, Donald Glover, for y'all, like, that don't know who that is, man. Even us, man, we got rid of, we used to throw away stuff. We wasn't using drinking Chris style no more in the, in the 2000s. NBA players became rappers, man. Snoop Dogg started teaming up with Martha Stewart. It was just a different love. Everybody was accepting us at this time, and it was just really lots of love. Uh, um, it was becoming lots of commercial, but love at the same time. And one thing that you got to say about all of these things is, like, during this time, we got this whole different sound of music changing. And a big thing that, that happened during all of this, this stuff changing, the music changing, the people changing, is the fact that music always, especially hip-hop, goes through these phases where it gets really at its peak and we fight to bring it back to its essence of folk music. We don't want it to be pop because it started out as folk. Right? It started out as the voice for the voiceless, and it's always going to hold on to that element and essence of what it is through that concept of being the voice for the voiceless. And one of the things that happened in the 2000s was that we always kept fighting back to keep it for the voice for the voiceless. And this is when the new New York came back, the battle rap scenes came back. It was just a different sound, and lyrics became important. We got this whole different sound coming out of New York. We got the Griselda clips from Betty the Butcher, Conway, the Machines, and the whole uh, West Side Gun. We got the Papooses and the Pop Smokes and the Joel Ortizes and the Corey Gudge. We got so many different rappers, Smoke Dizzes. The whole sound was just changing, man. The Saigons to the Dave East, the A Boogie with the Hoodies, the Fabio Foreman's, all these things were happening and changing for us in the sound. We were fighting for the purest of hip-hop 
coming out of New York. So we had the Action Bronsons, man, and the Troy Avs. Everybody was doing their thing to keep hip-hop on the map coming out of New York with the essence of that sound that we love, that gritty New York sound. And we were making sure that we kept it going, man. One other thing is, like, the conscious rap sound started coming up really, really big, man. We got more rappers like the Dead Prezes and the Roscoses, the Immortal Techniques, even Toby, man. <laughs> Go check Toby out if you don't know him, bro. Listen to Eat, man. Those conscious rappers were coming crazy hard at this time. The little brothers coming out of North Carolina. Like, giving us this sound that we needed to hear. And it was sounding really, really dope. Um, Even, like, Field Mob coming out of, like, Florida, I think. Like, they were even giving us a different sound. But we needed this in the 2000s because that is the aspects of, like, the essence of that real hip-hop. We needed these new type of artists coming in that would give us that conscious rap and that gutter lyric rap. And these are artists that were coming out in the late 2000s up to now doing their things, man. Even, like, the new backpack movements, you know, from the shot, right, with Chance the Rappers. And, you know, um, and, and Tyler the Creator, man, with Our Future. It's a lot of things you can say about a lot of artists and unique artists to say the least. But one of the people I can tell you that really holds it down when it comes to rapping is Tyler, the creator. Like Tyler, the creator is one of the dopest rappers. If you listen to his album, I forget what his last album is called, but it is such a dope album. What is the name of that album? Uh, Call me if you get lost. One of the most solid albums. So go check it out. Like, more than more, you got these rappers that are coming out with this different sound that we're loving, but it's unique. Like the Kid Cuddies and the Travis Scotts, the Childish Gambinos and the Hopsons and the Earl Sweatshirts and the Denzel Currys. We're getting these different sounds of this different, more eccentric type of rap coming out of these artists that are giving us in the 2000s. Also, we're getting a heavy, heavy sound with the drill rap. So we get really, it's like, it's funny, it's like it's following the path of what hip-hop did in the 90s, going late when you get the DMXs, and then you get the most deaths, and you get the shiny suits, and you get the Jay-Zs, and then you get the commons, and then, and this is what you get going into like the late 2000s with the drill scene and the, and the London drill sound, which is now going to different coasts and different areas, and the music's are getting more portrayed for all of us to listen to. And then you get the whole Chicago drill sound when you get the Chief Keefs and the and the King Vaughns and the FBG Ducks and the and the G Herbos and the whole uh you know uh um Lil Dirks, and you get this sound coming out of Chicago with them telling their voice and letting their voice know about what's happening in the shop. And then you get the whole sound with the Brooklyn drill, with the whole Fabio Forens and the um and the and the, and the Bobby Schmurders, right? You get this whole different sound that we're getting all essence dragged into keeping hip hop back to that purest sound that was always the how hip hop started and hip hop was going to last through the years. As time went on, we had to just understand like hip hop has lots of different parts of it has lots of different elements to it, and the best thing about hip-hop is it just keeps growing, it keeps thriving. Some of the greatest things we got out of all these eras, man, from like, you know, from starting in the 70s to like, to like the 80s with, you know, Public Enemies and the Run DMCs and the Rock Hems and the Coogee Raps, right, to the 90s with the Nas's and the Jay-Z's, the Mob Deeps, the DMX's, um, and then you get into the 2000s, 
and you start with like the Ludacris's and the Nellies, um, the Little Waynes and the Drakes, and you get to this new generation. But one thing that hip hop gave us more than anything was that hip hop gave us a essence of women that could come into the game and really show them how nasty they are. And they didn't have to show sex to always to sell records. They could just show you how nasty they are with, with the bars. And for so long, hip-hop has been a man's sport. And you got an essence of women that came through this time that really showed you, like, you can't fuck with us when it came to a lot of things. And that's why you got to give it up to the Cardi B's, man. Cardi B is nasty when she comes to the rapping scene. And she came out the gate swinging Right, you give it up to the people like Remy Ma, man. Remy Ma and yo, Remy Ma when she first came out, I heard her on a freestyle battle, Lady Luck. I knew she couldn't be fucked with. Of all of the women that came out in the two thousands, Remy Ma is the rawest of all of them. She is so nasty when it comes to the rhymes, man. Much respect to Remy Ma, yo. Remy Ma, I said I'm calling her Remy Ma. It's so crazy. Remy Ma is that that chick. That woman that could body you on a freestyle tip and body you in the booth, man. She is definitely, definitely dumb nice. You get the Jackie O's. You get the the Eves, man. Count of respect to Eve. She did her thing throughout all the years. She came out in the late 90s but really got herself known in the 2000s, man. Even people you hear less about, like the Amils and the Kia Kayas and the Little Mamas, right? Um, Can't forget about Nicki Minaj. Much respect to Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj it was like, if it wasn't for Nicki Minaj, the sound for the woman to really be super mainstream came from her. Little Kim did her thing. Little Kim is the reason. Little Kim is the reason we got all these sounds. It had to be somebody to initiate it. And Little Kim held the 90s down. But as Little Kim Less people started listening to Little Kim because they were getting older and the new generation was coming in and it was a boy for female rappers to give you that sound for the young females that are coming in and wanting to listen to hip hop. Nicki Minaj closed that boy. And Nicki Minaj gotta always give respect for that. Nicki Minaj is nasty, nasty when it comes to rhyming, yo. Super animated. Her bar game is on point. First Nicki Minaj song I ever heard, she was rapping on this song with um French Montana and Jada Kiss and it's called New York Minute and it was just like a really raw song and Nicki Minaj said some shit like um when the Twin Towers fell I was in the truck trying to find some shower gel like yo she was that type of rapper so much respect to Nicki she always has done her thing um and then you also get a very very influence of rappers I really bang with from the female side um, I don't like to segregate them, but I just got to give the most respect to the ladies because they have done their things from people like Rap City, one of my favorite rappers out right now. Rap City dropped an album recently. She named all the tracks after female rappers uh, that are female influences from like the Queen Latifahs and things like that. And it's, each title was it. Rap City is one of the nastiest people straight out of this, the North Carolina sound. Another state I'm probably going to get into a whole nother podcast on is North Carolina, but much respect to Rap City, um, the Dave Loves coming out of the whole Detroit style, the Tierra Wax, man, Tierra Wax is nasty on the mic, yo, definitely gotta look, listen to it, Young M.A., yo, um, Lotto, even Sweetie and Cash, though, like, 
a lot of these rapid with female rappers that are coming out you got to give respect to the skills they got and um what they have done to to change the game and make the door and the lane open for more women rappers to be comfortable to come out and rap so definitely much respect to all of these female rappers that are coming out I'm just it's just it looks so the future looks so bright and so exciting because of that um another crazy thing that happened more than anything was like we lost a lot of people and we lost a lot of these people and it just gets a lot more crazier because they keep we keep losing them so we get a whole big essence of like deaths and hip-hop coming from like starting with big pun and then nipsey hustle man nipsey hustle was one of the rawest rappers i don't even know how i forgot about nipsey hustle when i went in on my what my uh on my on my West Coast sounds because Nipsey Hussle gotta be given the throne for changing the game of how we switch into this political side of rappers that needed to be more political, right? Since KRS One to Public Enemy, we always had this political side of rap. Then we had the Tupac's, right? Tupac was putting his side, and then we got the Killer Mike's and the Jeezy's and the people like that, and like Puffy even did like a vote or die prize time at that at, in the whole 2000s and when barack obama when he became president like jeezy my president is black you know but nipsey definitely had to be the game changer for all of this man nipsey came out very different as a rapper from chris shaw his album chris shaw is one of the solid most solid albums right he comes out as a certain rapper speaking about certain things he's dealing with as a crippin and um and LA, then he changes and he goes tricking to like, yo, we should not be talking about this. So very, very PE type style, giving us with a like public enemy merged with like Jay Z, talking about black entrepreneurship and how we should do things to get us better, right? And you get this whole essence of who Nipsey was through that, and then his life gets cut short, and his music is like timeless. When you get a chance, go check out Nipsey Hustle songs, man. If you haven't heard them, definitely check out songs like. Stuck in the grind, or go check out songs like I don't stress out, nigga. Poke my chest out, nigga. Like, listen to certain songs from Nipsey Hussle and definitely like Blue Laces. Just definitely listen to these songs that he puts out and get, get you a good understanding of who he was. He is a solid artist that we have to always remember and respect. So, much salute, rest in peace to Nipsey. Um, and, and, and we, we lost Dolph recently, so lots of artists have been dying, keep from down like the King Vons, and like, you know, like, it's like, it gets, it's like the death in hip-hop is so common now, and even throughout this time, we lost people like DMX and the ODBs, it's like, there's been a lot of people with deaths in the 2000s that we gotta much respect, give their names to these artists, man, if it wasn't for them, like, we, a lot of the music stuff that we love, we wouldn't be having to this day, um, Yo, the future for hip-hop, more than anything, is very, very bright, man. We got some billionaires now, bro. Like, you know, from Dre to Diddy, Kanye getting the eight billions with the Gap deal. You know, Jay-Z, 50, Master P doing his thing. You know, baby, we got, like, people that really, really changed the game for us. And we got to give much respect to it. You know, hip-hop is changing. We got to keep our eyes to understand what's happening with hip-hop and not run from the change, but run towards the change, man. You know, hip-hop is like 
a way for us to express our voice, but as times are going on, like, this voice is being shortened because of the aspect of, like, the music now is just short-lived so quick. So, you can get a young kid making a TikTok video, and then the music song's over. So, that's why I think podcasts are becoming more popular, is because we want to hear things that will allow us to be fully ingrained into the music, and and that's what's happening but it is definitely something that is changing the essence of what we see hip-hop as. We have lots of different blending of hip-hops in different regions, man. Like I said before, with Afrobeats, you got different cultures. You got hip-hop out in Germany to hip-hop in London and France. Like, you know, you got all these different areas. Even the drill side of London is popular. We would even, I mean, y'all be thinking of like the design, the Panda song that came out in the 2000s, man, that dude was a London rapper, so, you just gotta just understand, like, yo, it's a lot of stuff that is happening, it's changing, but it's all for the good, yo, much respect to hip-hop, like Thomas says, I used to love her, nah, man, we still love her, so definitely, man, it's something that we all gotta look into, if you haven't, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, we breaking down the history of hip-hop, um, but yo, much respect, yo, definitely check out some of the people I said, uh, um, but yeah, much respect, yo, much love to hip-hop, let's keep it going for another 30.